0: Savior to save Jesus who made a way Supported by The Way in Brea. Lead Pastor Von Jarrett has a heart for the people at The Way and a desire to reach the lost. The Way's Production Department prays this message is a blessing to you and that you find yourself closer to God through application. All right, amen. Everybody say hallelujah. Hallelujah! Take a deep breath. You can let it out. Hopefully you brush today. It's all right. Yeah, I was thinking about this. It's not in my notes, but uh, I play a lot of songs here. And I was thinking about it during that song, why I do that. Um, I love worship. And I was thinking about during the song how, you know, the scriptures teach us that we were created to worship. And uh how it does something to us. I, I never listen to worldly music anymore. It bothers me. Like if I'm in your car, I don't care, I'll turn it off. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. But, but I wanna encourage you guys, the thing, about, the thing about worship music, if we were created to worship, You know, you know, the feelings that that music gives us, um, how it incorporates everything and this idea of how it connects us to God and we're worshiping him. But somehow we feel good. Many of us, before we started listening to worship music, we can look back and remember songs from when we were 10 years old, 12 years old. And you get those emotions, you get those feelings. And I don't want to give any of that back to the enemy. I want all of that to belong to Jesus. And uh, and I can feel him. I can I can uh, just immediately be taken up into his presence and uh you know that song it's called uh, hallelujah here below the idea is hallelujah means praise the lord uh but it says here below it says that your favorite melody your favorite melody we're talking to god your favorite melody is still uh hallelujah when we sing praise the lord like that's what he loves to hear not just the angels in heaven singing but when his people down here sing praise the lord that's that's his favorite sound so amazing so amazing. All right, so back to my notes. I want to welcome everybody to our, to our Christmas service. Um, <laughs> what, it's not our Christmas service? It's not, it's not the Sunday Christmas service? <clears throat> well, as we enter into December, it's uh, the first Sunday. It's the first day of December. And we're actually going to begin a journey to Christmas. Um, in our church app, we have an image. It says the road to Christmas. And the idea is that we're going somewhere, we're moving forward, we have this anticipation over the next few weeks that uh, one service, one day, to me, is not going to be nearly enough time to do Christmas uh, justice. I think about... Uh, those who will be coming in and out of all the churches, but specifically in our church, we're going to have Christmas visitors, right? We have them uh, every year. And I'm excited for them. I'm happy for them. I can't wait for them to show up. I pray that, that uh, they encounter the Lord and that God moves in their life. However, for, for those of you who are, who are here and engage in these next uh, three, four weeks as we lead up to Christmas, I believe that you will have a significantly different experience than uh, than they will on our Christmas Sunday service. You know, I I liken it to the difference of when you read through the scriptures, Jesus comes into a city. And in those cities, people have needs. Somebody say amen. amen. Everybody has needs, right? So Jesus comes into the city and they're like, hey, he's here, the teacher's here, the prophet's here. Let's go and see if he can help us. Maybe he'll feed us, maybe he'll heal us, maybe he'll touch us and he'll do something amazing and we'll have this day with him. It'll be great. And that's special but how much more special for the disciples that walked with him every day, talked with him every day, slept in the same places, ate the same food, got to watch him in between those miracles that he was doing for others. Uh, in my mind, being a disciple, being with him on the daily is, uh, is better. And uh, I think that that's what some of your experiences is gonna be like over these next couple of weeks that uh, the one day folks won't necessarily have an opportunity to experience. So I hope you're engaged. I hope that you enjoy uh, our series. The title of the series for the month of December is going to be, He Will Be. He Will Be. If you read through your Gospels, uh, you'll see who Jesus is. But my aim for our series is to find a way to stay in this place of anticipation uh, where the world was until the first Christmas. Right. We know that Christmas arrives and, and, and uh, the child is born. But before that, everybody was living in this place of anticipation. They're waiting for something to happen. They're waiting for the Savior and the Messiah to arrive. And I'm hoping that we can find a way over these next three, four weeks to to be in that uh, leaning forward, anticipating, hoping for something to happen. So we're going to look at he will be uh, I hope that that road to Christmas is inspiring for us. I hope it's consuming for some of us. I hope that it's powerful enough to, to help you and I to rise above the shopping frenzy, to rise above uh, Black Friday. I know that some of you are out there. I probably will see some of you on YouTube fighting in the stores. <laughs> I went on, on Thursday night and apparently Black Friday starts on Thursday night now. And so I was in my favorite store, Walmart. And, and they were already fighting because people wanted to take, it was bubble wrapped. Like, you know you're not supposed to go in there and people were cutting into the bubble wrap to, to get items. I was thinking, man, these people are fighting over, I don't even know what it was. It was on sale, obviously, but people were fighting over it. And I thought to myself, man, this is Christmas. So my hope is that uh, our weeks leading up to Christmas that we'll experience something different, Amen. right? That we'll be able to rise above all that craziness. Black Friday, uh, Cyber Monday, Whatever other days they come up with to get us to buy stuff, we'll get above that and through that. Another hope that I have is that uh, some of us will struggle not to look ahead. You know, I'm constantly telling people, get into your word, get into your scriptures. And as I said, I want to look back and and be in that place of anticipating what's going to happen or or who's who's on the way, what will he be? Uh, But I'm really hoping that some of you say, you know what, I can't take it. I got to look ahead and and get into my gospels and see, is he these things? Right? I'm hoping that some of us, again, will not be able to control ourselves and not just looking ahead into our gospels, but looking deep inside of ourselves and saying, is he all those things in me? Right? They said he's going to be this. They said he's going to be that. Is he that in my life? Is he that in your life? Is he all those things? So let's pray for uh, the month. Let's pray for yourselves. Let's pray for our visitors. Let's pray for everything. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to, uh, to be gathered again. We thank you for an opportunity to have your word. We thank you for uh, continued anticipation, Lord, that there's always something ahead, something more that you want to reveal, something more that you want to share with your sons and daughters, Lord. We thank you that uh, your favorite chorus, your favorite song is still the praises of your people who are here below singing out to you. Hallelujah, Lord. We praise your name. We honor you, Lord God. We ask that you would help us to see things the way that you would have us to see them, Lord. We ask that your word would jump off of the pages, that our, our hearts would be full, Lord God, that our minds would be refocused, Lord, that we would remember who you are, Lord. that you're more powerful than circumstances, you're more powerful than systems, Lord. You are more important than shopping, Lord. The gift that you've uh, given unto us, Lord, and the gift that you've allowed us to be able to give to others, Lord, it can't be found in, uh, in stores this season, Lord. You dwell in the hearts of your sons and daughters, Lord. Have your way over this service. Have your way over our children. Have your way uh, in every way. We love you and we thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 So he will be, uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Wonderful. Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. That's Isaiah chapter 6, or excuse me, chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. So the first thing is that he will be wonderful. If you're taking notes, he will be wonderful. I say this all the time, but I really do have a short message for you this morning. I hope I can stick to it. But he will be wonderful. The definition of wonderful is marvelous, causing one to marvel. (laughs) Marvelous, astonishing, and exciting wonder. That makes sense, right? If you're wonderful, you're full of wonder, what that means is you excite wonder within people. Your heart, your heart, my heart should begin to flutter. We should be excited with this wonder and this amazement. He's marvelous. That's what it says he will be when he comes. So Isaiah writes this prophetically 700 years before the birth of Christ. And he says the government will be upon his shoulder And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So something about this this, uh, wonderful one is that there's this government side to it. There's going to be a government. It's going to be upon his shoulders. It's going to increase in peace. Says there's going to be no end to the peace that comes from him. And how is he going to bring it? With order and through judgment and through justice. How does he do that? When I thought about government, I thought about how our government works, how all the nation's governments work. And I would think that the last thing that would be identified with government, at least currently, is peace, (laughs) right? order, justice, right? And judgment. But it says that this one is gonna come And he will bring all those things with him. How is he going to do that? Isaiah tells us how this is going to come into existence. He says, a child is born. Unto us a child is born and unto us a son is given. I think it's pretty easy to understand that unto us a child is born, right? The Israelites were waiting for a Messiah. They're waiting for a king. They're waiting for a ruler. They're waiting for all these things. And they know he's not just going to appear like Adam fully grown, that a child is actually going to be born. He's going to be one of them. A little more difficult to understand at that time, I think, was how is this son going to be given to them? Think about that for a second. Unto us a child is born. We know how that works. But what does it mean if you're looking forward, you don't know anything about this? It says, but also unto us a child is given. A son is given unto us. Isaiah knew that somehow that they were separate, right? There's something different about a child being born and something different about a son being given. Here's where the wonder comes in. He'll not just be a child born unto the us of the Israelites. Somehow all the people in the world are going to say unto us a child is given. That should excites some wonder. That should begin to blow our minds. What do you mean that he's not just a child born unto us? The Israelites know he's ours. We're the ones waiting for a Messiah. We're the ones with the scripture. We're the ones waiting for this Savior to come. He's born unto us. But he says unto all of us. A few years ago in the World Cup, uh, France won the World Cup, I think it was. And people were up in arms because more than half of their players were African. So what they're saying is France says, unto us, the World Cup has come. And then Africa says, actually, <laughs> unto us, the World Cup has come. Our players are playing for you. Let's see if I can make it make a little bit more sense for you. Mary went shopping. She bought us a, a new Santa Claus pillow. And on that Santa Claus pillow, Santa is black. <laughs> unto us, Santa Claus is given. <laughs> she was so excited when she saw it. We had friends over there, and they started laughing, and Mary got back. She's like, Hey. Santa's black. (laughs) Why is not Why can't Santa be black? Unto us, Santa Claus, I I told him, I said, white Santa never showed up to my house (laughs) when I was a kid. (laughs) Santa was black. Looked a lot like my dad. (laughs) Right? You go into some churches, especially in America, and there's paintings of Jesus, and Jesus is white with blonde hair and blue eyes. Why? Because identity is very important to people. He, he needs to be my God. He needs to be my Santa. They need to be my players. So think about this for a second. This one that comes, it says that he will be one where everybody in the world will be able to say unto us, a child is born. And they'll all be 100% right, 100% accurate. Somebody's Santa is wrong. <laughs> Somebody's painting of Jesus is wrong. Somebody's uh, determination on which nation actually won the World Cup is wrong. But with this scripture, the anticipation is somebody is going to come and everybody from every nation, every people group, every tongue will be able to say, unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. That should inspire awe. How is that possible? That should inspire wonder. This one will be different. This one will be unique. This one will be more special than anything the world has ever seen before. Identity. I thought about some of the examples we have in scripture before this child is actually born when people were just shocked. right? Where they're in awe that something has happened. um, Something has transpired where people say, how is that possible? What is it? That allowed God to do this. Is it really happening? And that's kind of the wonder that we should expect with this coming one. I'm going to share from uh, Exodus chapter 13. Um, this is after the children of Israel are released from, from Egypt. It says, in Exodus 13:17, it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go, that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him. For he had placed placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness and the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light. So as to go by day and by night, he did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So the story we have in the the Old Testament scripture here is God is a deliverer. He takes them out of Egypt, and then God is also a leader in multiple ways. God says, not only am I going to deliver you from your current circumstances, and he could have easily taken them the quickest route to their destination, but he said, I don't want these people to be discouraged when they see war. Think about that for a second, the kind of God that we serve. That should, it blows my mind. When he maybe shouldn't have to think about stuff like that, he says, look at these people. They've been slaves. The last thing they're ready for is war. I'm gonna take them the long way around so they don't have to see these Philistines. I'm not saying that there's not gonna be war. I'm not saying that they're not gonna to have to battle. They're just not ready for it yet. That's right. uh-huh. Think about that. As if that's not enough, he takes them the long way around and then he says, I'm also going to lead you. I'm going to be a pillar of cloud by day to give you shade from the sun, but also to show you the direction I want you to go and then a pillar of fire by night, a flame in the sky to keep them warm and to keep them going in the direction that they're supposed to go. These are the kind of moments in scripture where you say, how is that possible, God? You're the God of wonder. You're the God of amazement. And then the scriptures say, he will be like that. He will be like that. The characteristics of a savior, the characteristics of, um, that delivers them from, from bondage, from slavery, characteristics of one who understands what we're capable of and when we're capable of it, and sometimes takes us the long way around. Many of us don't like going the, the long way around. But man, how many battles has he saved us from that we weren't ready for, that might have turned us around and sent us back to the world? And then he says, pillar of fire by night, pillar of cloud by day. That's what this one who's going to be born. Not only is he a, a, a child born unto us, we don't understand what it means for a son to be given to us, but we know that everybody's going to be able to say, say the same thing. And then the example that we can make a connection to uh, for the people that were anticipating him is like when they were delivered out of Egypt. Savior, guide, caretaker. He's wonderful. Somebody say amen. So I'm waiting for him. That's what I'm anticipating over the next uh, three, four weeks with you guys is is he will be these things. This is the kind of person that we should be looking for and trying to find. The second, and there's only two that I'm going to share with you this morning. It says that he'll be a counselor, right? If we go back into uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful and counselor a counselor is a person who gives advice how many of you have ever had somebody give you advice you've all been in counseling good advice bad advice doesn't matter a counselor is somebody who gives you advice the second definition of a counselor is one that gives advice in law and manages cases for clients and court think about that for a second It wasn't originally in my thoughts when I was thinking about this message, but I was so glad that I came across it because isn't that what he will be? Somebody who manages our cases when it comes to the law? Somebody who represents us as his client when it comes to the law? So he'll be an advisor and one who deals with the law for his clients. We need a counselor when something is wrong and it's not necessarily gonna change anytime soon. Think about that. People who, have, who go to therapy have gone to therapy. It's because something's wrong and they need help. Somebody say amen. 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 Another reason why we need a, a counselor is because not only is something wrong, but this ain't no short-term problem. This is going to last for a while. I need somebody to help me through this for months. I need somebody to help me through this for years. I need somebody to help me deal with things that happened to me decades ago, and I'm still suffering through those things. I need a counselor. And it says this about the one that we're anticipating. He will be a counselor. The idea is that we need help to get through. So yesterday, I took my family to see the movie Harriet, about Harriet Tubman. Uh, Female slave, escaped, and then went back to get her friends and family and strangers. Underground Railroad, amazing, amazing story. If you haven't seen it, hurry up, because it won't be in theaters long, but it's definitely worth going to see. Um, At the end of the movie, I was in tears, like bad tears, like crying all over the place to the point where I had to ask my family. Like, Mary was trying to talk to me. I was like, I couldn't even talk. And I asked them just to go ahead and leave. They went to the car, Mary and the kids. And I had to stay in there and try to gather myself because it was just uncontrollable. Um, the, the truth behind the movie, the experience that I had in the theater, the thoughts that were going through my head. Um, and there's so many things that I wish I could tell you guys about the movie, but please go and see it. The one that stands out the most that's connected to to what I want to share with you guys this morning uh, is that she had an amazing counselor. The life that she led, the condition that all of her people were in, um, it was overwhelming. But what she would do is she would pray like crazy. Like when we say we're going to have a prayer meeting, it was like, "Ah, I'm not going. No, 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 no. (laughs) Like. This counselor that she had day by day, moment by moment, uh, experience by experience, tragedy by tragedy uh, was just unreal. Moses and the children of Israel uh, had this guiding, right? Moses would look to God and say, help me. Uh, know what to do and when to do it and how to do it and Moses had this same thing where, where he went back to free his people and that's actually, I don't want to give the movie away, everybody tells me that I, I talk about the movies too much when I, when I do but they would call her Moses <laughs> and it just made so much sense to me because she went back for her people and she was depending on this counselor to give her direction, to give her guidance to help her know which way to go and what things to do and she depended on him for hope So when it comes to this child that's going to be born, apparently he's going to be a counselor. One that we can go to for direction. One that we can go to for hope. right? One that we can go to for help. But it means that apparently we're not going to always be delivered from our situations and circumstances. Right? Like I think... When we think about Christmas, when we think about God, when we think about a savior, we think of, of being delivered from all of our situations and circumstances that we're suffering. So no more pain, no more drama, no more being broke, no more like we, we shouldn't need a counselor because we should be happy. The, the, the second defining characteristics of this one that's coming that we're anticipating is, is a counselor. What that means is you are going to be in the middle of stuff. What are you anticipating at Christmas? God says, anticipate that you'll be going through stuff, but somebody is going to come who will go through it with you. If you're going through hell, if you've been through hell, it says that he will be one that will go through hell with you. It's crazy. I can't tell you how many times I've been going through it and I've needed uh, a counselor sometimes i'm oppressed right that means that there's like people oppressing you there's situations and circumstances there's authorities that are coming against you that are that are oppressing you and you need counsel how do i get through this how do i survive sometimes i've been depressed right some of you know what depression is like right and you're like man i need a counselor (laughs) i need somebody to help me i'm about to jump off a bridge literally and some, some people never experience that, that if you ever do, then you realize why we need counselors. Right? Sometimes I've been in sin and I've needed somebody to deal with the law on my behalf. Right? That's what, that's what uh, when you see the court shows, the judge says, counsel, what do you have to say for your client? <laughs> they have a counsel, they have a counselor. So many times throughout my life, and I look, I know you guys, so I look around the church and I know that others have needed counsel, needed counseling, needed a counselor. We're not going to always be de- delivered from our horrific circumstances, but he'll enter into them and be with us. You know, when I, when I was watching this, this movie, Harriet, you know, lately we've been talking about Definitions of suffering. Like some of us are going through it right now. And on, on Tuesday night at our dinner, we had Partners for Water. And when these people's babies are dying after three or four weeks because they're drinking water that has diseases in it, our definition of suffering changes a little bit, right? We're like, no, I'm not really suffering. I'm just going through uh, a little bit of a rough patch. <laughs> these people are suffering. So I was, I, was watching, I was watching this movie and thinking about uh, how she. Maintained her faith in God while she's being beaten, while they're being raped, while they're being whipped, while her family is being sold, while they're being killed. And it's like, man, I struggle when I'm sick and I don't want to go to church. I struggle when, did he use two scriptures for offering today? I didn't come here for that to be judged. And but the scriptures say what you're going to get is a counselor. You're going to get somebody who comes into your situation, into your circumstance. And no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad you're suffering, no matter what you're going through, he's actually going to be he will be there with you to get you through. And then you get these examples of people who are actually living that out. What's it like to go through things like that? I want to share a scripture with you from Lamentations, uh, a lament to lament means sadness and suffering. So when you read the book of Lamentations, basically what's saying is somebody is sad, somebody is suffering and they're about to tell you how bad it is. <laughs> so this writer laments and you'll be able to hear the sadness, you'll be able to hear the anger and the hopelessness. Uh, and some of us may be able to identify with that this morning. But here's what I want you to think about. The one who will be a counselor, right? The one who can enter into this level of lament. As I read it to you guys, this is Lamentation chapter 3, verse 1. The writer says, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has led me and made me walk in darkness and not in light. Surely he's turned his hand against me time and time again throughout the day. He has aged my flesh and my skin and broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and woe. He has set me in dark places like the dead of long ago. He has hedged me in so that I cannot get out. He's made my chain heavy. Even when I cry and I shout, He shuts out my prayer. He has blocked my ways with hewn stone. He has made my paths crooked. He's been to me a bear, lying in wait like a lion in ambush. He's turned aside my ways and torn me in pieces. He has made me desolate. He has bent his bow and set me as a target for the arrow. He has caused the arrows of his quiver to pierce my loins. I have become the ridicule of all my people, their taunting song all the day. He has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink wormwood. He has also broken my teeth with gravel and covered me with ashes. You have moved my soul far from peace. I have forgotten prosperity. And I said, my strength and my hope have perished from the Lord. Remember my affliction and roaming the wormwood and the gall. My soul still remembers and sinks within me. This I recall to mind, therefore, and I have hope. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his companions fell not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should hope and wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Stop there at verse 26. This person sounds crazy. The first 23 verses is God is terrible. God has abandoned me. I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm hurting. Everything I wanted, I've lost. Everything I had is gone. Everybody I know is ridiculing me. And it's a true lament. One of the things I love about the scripture, it doesn't mean that God has done these things, but God allows us to be open and be honest and talk about what we're really going through and what we're really feeling. And this person is going through it and putting it out there. And then it's like this light bulb goes off, and they say, But I remember all these things about God. I remember that He's faithful. I remember that that if we call upon Him, He'll hear us. I remember that I still have hope in Him. I remember that He will not leave me nor forsake me. Here's the problem. Can you see, as I, as I read that to you, can you see the gap between what the person is experiencing and what they know to be true? Like, the life that they're experiencing is terrible. And in their mind, there's like, oh, yeah, but I know that it's true that he's all these things. Amen. What Christmas is about is somebody who's coming who will fill that gap. Yes. He will be the counselor who's actually present. It doesn't mean that you're not going to feel like this, this person feels at times, but instead of there being a gap between what you're experiencing and what you know to be true about God, that gap will be closed. You may still be experiencing terrible things, but you will also be experiencing the presence of God with you as your counselor through those terrible things. This is what we're anticipating at Christmas. Or maybe this is what we should be anticipating at Christmas. The closing of the gap. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The only uh, New Testament scripture I think I have for you this morning says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. He is going to be wonderful. He is going to be a counselor. And what it means to be a counselor is that he is God with us in our drama. In our suffering, not the God that takes us out of the suffering, at least not immediately. Christmas is not the rejoicing of immediate removal from suffering, Christmas is the rejoicing of the chosen one entering into our suffering. He will be a counselor, He will not be the best counselor that you can afford. Think about that for a second. I remember when I was growing up, my, my parents had to, had to go to counseling. Um, and I, can, I remember the lady's name. I remember where she was not far from here. And I remember how we found her. As your insurance tells you, here's the list of people that you can go and see. Choose the best that you can afford, which means if somebody has more money down the street, they get a different list of counselors that, in theory, are better. Think about about that for a second. If you're going for marriage counseling, your your marriage could depend on how much money you have, because that's the kind of counselor you're going to get. If you're going to get counseling on how to help raise your kids because your kid's addicted to something or going through something, their success could depend on how much money you have because of the level and skill and ability of the counselor that you can get. What the scriptures tell us about him is that he will be the best counselor the world has ever known and you have access to him for any situation or circumstance that you're going through. Think about that. He's going to be a counselor. He's not an average counselor. He's not the best in the area. He's not the best that you could afford. He is the best counselor no matter what you're going through. That's what you have access to. He will not be the counselor available only as often as you can afford to see him either. It's another thing about counseling. You got to make an appointment. They only want to see you once every week, once every two weeks, once every month. He's always available. If you are a slave running for your life in the middle of the night with people chasing you, trying to hang you, he's available. Right there, right then. If your marriage is on the brink of destruction and death, he's open 24 hours a day. If your kids are suffering right now, he's available right now. If you've sinned, you have somebody available right now to deal with the law for you. That's what they're anticipating or what they should be anticipating. Maybe they didn't even understand when Isaiah was talking about this stuff. It was going to be 700 years later. So right now is when I typically like to jump ahead into the New Testament and say, here he is. But I'm not going to do that because we're looking forward. We're going down this road to Christmas. So instead, what I want to do is close with the scripture that looks forward to this one coming. Matter of fact, hold me accountable. Isaiah, why don't you come on up here? This is the book of Genesis, chapter 3. It says the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it lest you die. And The serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. You'll be like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The Lord called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? He said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. He said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? The man said, The woman you gave me to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. The Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And then here it is, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Genesis chapter 3, this is where the anticipation of this one that's gonna come begins. This is the first time we hear that, hey, someone's coming. A child is gonna be born unto us, a son is gonna be given to us. And what is he going to do or what is he going to be? He will be the one that defeats the serpent, he will be the one that steps on the head of the serpent. He will be the one that deals with sin. He will be the one that deals with separation. He'll be wonderful. He'll be a counselor. And he'll deal with this breaking of the law on our behalf. He'll break this curse, crush the serpent under his heel. And all we've got to do is is wait on him. Scriptures tell us uh, that those who wait on the Lord... uh, will not be put to shame, mount up with wings like eagles, they'll run and not grow weary. Are we waiting for him this Christmas? What are you looking to unwrap this year? I hope you're waiting for somebody wonderful, who inspires wonder. I hope you're waiting for someone who will be a counselor for your situations and your circumstances, not just a deliverer. If you're saved in here, you've already been delivered. Now what we need is counseling to get us through the hard times. That's what he offers to us. Can we bow our heads? So one of the things I didn't share about this this movie that I saw and I'll share it now is what really brought me to tears was how she kept going back. She couldn't sleep, she couldn't eat, she she said, I'm free, but I can't sleep, I can't eat, I can't rest, knowing that others are still in bondage. And I began to think about what it means to be a Christian, what it means to be a leader, what it means to be a pastor, what it means to be a man of God, what it means to be a woman of God. And what it means is that you've been set free. And I just believe that we should not be able to rest while we know others are still bound. And I began to think about the church. I began to think about the men and women, not only in this church, but that we encounter from time to time that we see at functions, that we see at parties. I began to think about my friends and my family. Think about the Thanksgiving meals, think about the Christmas times together that are coming up. And I just asked the Lord, I said, Lord, please continue to break my heart for those who are bound. Those who don't know what it means to see the wonderful one face to face. Lord, don't let me rest while people are out there lamenting without a counselor. Lord, don't let me get comfortable while people are out there trying to defend themselves in the court of law of sin without a counselor. And he did. He gave me a glimpse of what he feels day in and day out when he looks at people who are suffering. So this morning, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. and I want you just to picture it who are already free are risking their lives to come back and set others free this morning and there you are if you're not saved you may not know it but you're bound bound by sin bound by pain bound by unforgiveness your own and and the unforgiveness of others So it'd be one thing if, if just other men and women were coming to you this morning and saying, hey, we're free and we, we came back to, to help you and to save you. But that's not really the, the true story. The true story is, is that there's this one who was sinless, always free, never bound. And he wasn't willing to just risk his life to save you He actually gave his life to save you. And he says, all you have to do for your freedom is acknowledge what he's done for you. Just to be able to say, the price that I was going to have to pay has already been paid for me. I was bound, but I can leave free. You know, that anticipation of this this serpent's head being stepped on, death being defeated, you know, it's already happened. It's just about us walking into that, having a counselor to help us through this process. He's so wonderful, I'm telling you this morning. And that's what Christmas is about. So if you're here, Maybe you've been to church, maybe you've heard about God, you've heard about Jesus, but you've never met him face to face and you're still in that place of of lament where there's a gap between what you're experiencing and all these things that you've heard about God. He's supposed to be this, he's supposed to be that. If there's a gap there and you know it, you know your own heart, you know what you've been experiencing, you know what you've been going through, I promise you there's one who can fill that gap this morning. If that's you and you would like to acknowledge that, you'd like help, you'd like direction, you'd like salvation, would you just raise your hand so I can see you? Nobody's looking at you, just between you and the Lord, just wanna see you so I can pray for you. Anybody this morning? I see praise the Lord, young lady. He'll fill that gap for you, sis. Anybody else this morning? Join our sister, any other brave souls? Best Christmas gift ever, anybody else? Hallelujah, Lord. Let's all stand to our feet. Lord, I thank you. You said that (laughs) you'd come. You said that you'd be God with us. You said that you'd be wonderful. You said that you'd be a counselor, Lord. This morning, Lord, I'm amongst many witnesses that what you've said is true. Some of us have already experienced that for ourselves. And I know I, for one, was able to witness that for somebody else this morning. I pray right now that you would give her counsel, Lord. You've done the delivering. Just like Moses delivered his people out of Egypt, Lord, but then there were potential wars and there was this wandering in the wilderness, Lord. There was a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night for this young daughter of yours, Lord Jesus. I just ask, Lord, that you would give her confirmation that she's been delivered. She's been saved. Her debt is paid. Jesus, you took care of that for her. But now she needs counsel and she needs direction, Lord. She needs you to truly be that pillar of fire by night, that pillar of cloud by day to show her which way to go. Be present for her in every situation, and every circumstance, Lord. Teach her to call out to you and to cry out to you, Lord, no matter how bad it may get, no matter what she's going through, Lord. You said that you'd be available, that you'd always be there for her. We trust you for that this morning, Lord Jesus. We trust you this morning for that, Jesus. For the rest of us, I'm going to open the altars. I'm going to open communion. I just have one simple prayer. If there's something that ministered to you, please come and get prayer. But, but what I want to open the altars for is just for an opening of our eyes and an opening of our hearts this Christmas to the one that we truly should be anticipating. I want us to see Jesus more clearly than we ever have. I want us to be looking for the one that was promised to us, not the one that we want, not what we hoped he would be or what we expected him to be. So far this morning, what we heard is he's wonderful. Lord, I want you to just meet us at this altar and show us how wonderful you are. Lord, you said that you would be a counselor. I want you to meet us at this altar this morning and begin to counsel us. We need counseling because the situation is not getting better anytime soon. We need you to actually enter into our situations, enter into our circumstances, and walk with us through them this season, Lord. So the altars are open, Lord. Have your way. Meet your people, Lord. We receive communion, Lord, not only looking back to what you've done for us in the past, but looking ahead to what is still yet to be done, Lord. Have your way over every son and over every daughter here in this place. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. The altars are open. Communion's open. You can come for prayer if you need prayer. I was nowhere you came to my rescue. From the grave I've been raised When I needed a Savior to save me Jesus, you made a way